Thank you for listening to the Revivify Church podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and speaks to you from wherever you're listening. All right, so I'm going to open up today again with another story about Haiti. Now, here's the thing. As I was typing this, I was like, I went through my last three messages that I've preached on Sunday, and every one of them start with a a Haiti story. And here's the thing. Go to a village on an island in Haiti that's been abandoned by the government and has no power just for a few days, and you're going to come out with a lot of stories, okay? So you're probably going to have to endure this for a couple of years. I'm just telling you, okay? So it just happened. We're, the second day in Haiti, uh, we're walking down the, the street there in La Suisse, and um, as we're coming down the street, it's me and, and my, my buddy Matt Joyner serves on our next-gen youth team, and um, we're just sitting there walking with one of our translators, Lukner. And as we're walking, this guy walks up to us, and he is, like, out of his mind, okay? He's, he's stumbling everywhere like this. He's, he's definitely got some homemade hooch in him. I mean, it's like, and that stuff they make is strong. Not that I partook, but I'm just saying that stuff is strong, okay? And he walks up to his one shoe. He's got a club in one hand, so we're already getting a little defensive, trying to figure out what's going on. And he starts taking his hand. He has nothing in. He starts doing this, like that. And he's yelling weird Haitian words. But I have no idea what they mean. And our translator, Lutner, he's not concerned. So me and Matt were kind of like, all right, maybe we shouldn't be. And we, it just goes on for, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds. And right about that time, Lutner looks over at us. He goes, oh, he's throwing a spell on you. <laughs> Excuse me? Now, here's the thing. In Haiti, voodoo rules the land. They, they, they've actually given the land over to their voodoo gods. They don't play with this stuff, Okay. Matt lost his mind. I'm not kidding. He went redneck gangster like I have never. Oh, no, he ain't. Oh, I know he ain't doing that. I'm not kidding, y'all. He was about to fight this man. He was like, he was like I got the spirit. He can't do that. I'm not joking. This actually happened. And I'm sitting here like, all right, I don't know if I'm fighting. Or I'm already speaking tongues. I'm not sure. I mean, and Lugner's laughing. He thought it was hilarious. But he seriously was like, he can't touch me. He said, he can't touch me. Now, here's the thing about Matt. <laughs> Matt don't get real loud about a lot of stuff, okay? <laughs> the joker went berserk. He freaked the voodoo guy out. Voodoo guy's backing up like, okay, okay. <laughs> I think he just made him angry because every night that week, the guy would sit outside our gate and just, Bruh! it was the weirdest thing. I don't know what he was doing. He, anyway, but here's the thing about Matt. Matt was equipped. Matt knew what he possessed, and he was equipped. If that meant he had to throw hands with a 65-year-old drunk man, (laughs) Matt was equipped, and he knew what he possessed. He knew what he held on to. Now, here's the thing. Today, I'm going to talk to you guys about spiritual warfare on, on, on a very basic level, because I'm not sure that we really understand this today. Now, there are some really deep, 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 deep dives that we can take with this. And trust me, if you want to do that, just go for it. There's a lot of stuff there. We're going to talk about it on a surface level today and make sure we understand it here. So here's the thing about spiritual warfare. One, some people do not believe that spiritual warfare exists. Some people in the church don't believe that spiritual warfare exists. It's true. And here's how I know. Because ain't one of y'all prepared for it. I'm sorry. All right, I'm going to move on. 1 Peter 5.8, be well-balanced and always alert. 
because the, your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare happens. And here's the thing is that as the people of God, as the children of God, we have to equip ourselves for battle. Every single day. But here's the, here's the question I want to ask the church today. Are you ready for battle? Now really think about that. Are you ready to battle spiritual warfare in your own life? Are you ready to battle spiritual warfare in your home? And unfortunately, most of us, preaching to the choir here, are not. How do you know that? Because the amount of, of counseling hours that pastors put in over spiritual issues that the answers are clearly laid out in scripture. Now that's a pastor's job, I'm right there with it. I do it myself, I know. There are other pastors that I call for counsel who tell me like, have you read, your, have you read the Bible? Like, have you looked in there? Like telling me this, I, I'm there right there with you. But the fact is, we're not ready. I'm gonna read a portion of scripture, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. I'm gonna read it out of the Passion Translation, which I don't believe we have up here. But it's, for reference, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer, for you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. We're going to pause right there. It's verse 13. If you, he's basically saying if you put on the armor, you're going to be protected when you confront the enemy. 14. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you, to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert, then you will always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as, as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows that come at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance, like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies, and take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all his believers. So in Ephesians 6, we're actually introduced, in the, the church today is introduced into a pretty elementary concept. The armor of God. Sorry, y'all singing for 45 minutes. I'm preaching hard. We're introduced to an elementary concept called the armor of God. Now, I can remember being like six or seven years old in a church I grew up in downtown. We had the, 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 this thing called cool kids, okay? 
cool kids, and we were cool kids. And it was run by, uh, by Janice. Was Jana in here today? I don't think she's in here. She actually goes to the church. If you know Jana, it was run by her. And she killed it. And I can remember someone, I don't remember who it was, walking in the room wearing a plastic full, like, knight's suit. And it was the most awesome visual. And that was the moment that I first heard of the armor of God. Pause. I'm going to plug recess for a second. Our children, our kids are absolutely as important, if not more important, than our adults. The children's ministry, the kids' ministry is not babysitting. We are praying over these kids. These kids are encountering Jesus, and we are teaching them the word of God. I am challenging you to volunteer in recess. Go serve those kids. It will bless you more than it will bless them. Moving on. So here's the deal. If you've been in church any time at all, you probably just checked out when I said armor of God. Because, again, it's a very elementary concept. But I'm asking you guys, hang with me. Let's see how this applies today. So here's the armor of God. I'm just going to read the list. Armor of God is, one, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, for shoes, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. Now, I want us to actually take a dive into each one of these and see how this applies to us. One, the belt of truth. So in verse 14, it says, put on truth as a belt to, to strengthen you to stand in triumph. The belt they're talking about is not like this leather belt that I bought at Gander like three years ago. It was really good. No, it's not like that belt at all. It was like a girdle that protected your core. This big girdle that, that protected your core. He's saying to put on the belt of truth. You know one thing we all struggle with? The lies from the enemy about who we are. And as we go through this and we get down into each one of these, these different pieces of the armor of God, one thing we're going to notice here is none of them are on accident. None of them are by coincidence. It is no coincidence that the belt of truth that, that covers your core, the belt of truth that covers your core, it covers the core of who you are. Some people, some Christians have not figured out yet who they are. They have not figured out who they are yet in God. And every time the enemy attacks a piece of who they are, they're struck right down to their core because they don't have that, that belt of who God says they are surrounding them. The belt protect, protects the truth about who you are. The breastplate of righteousness this translation says, put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Other translations say righteousness. Here's the thing about the breastplate. The breastplate protects the vitals inside your chest. What's in your chest? Your heart. Here's the thing about righteousness. Righteousness is not anything that you can obtain on your own. Righteousness is not something that you can just wake up one day and be like, oh, I'm righteous. You know what, you know what the Bible describes your righteousness as and my righteousness as? Filthy rags. And like I told my students on Wednesday when I preached this, Google it for yourself to figure out what scripture actually meant. Go look at what filthy rags actually means there. If you want to know exactly what God thinks of your own righteousness. It's saying every day. 
to put on the breastplate that covers your heart. Take him, take, take the righteousness that he gives us at the moment of salvation when he gives that to us and cover our hearts with that. Our righteousness means nothing that we cannot do that on our own. The gospel of peace is our shoes. Verse 15 says, stand on your feet alert and you'll be ready to share the blessings of peace. We're gonna take a second on this one. If you look up what peace means in this verse of scripture, take it back to its original, to its original meaning. It means oneness or wholeness with God. Oneness or wholeness with God. The enemy is constantly trying to take your peace He's constantly trying to take your peace. And when he takes your peace, he fills it with anxiety and with worry and with fear. He replaces it with these things. He takes the peace that, he, that God has given you and he replaces it with these things. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to go on record by saying I fully 100% believe in clinical anxiety. Clinical anxiety is real. It is tortuous, I, I, it is horrific, it is horrific, it is terrible, it is awful. But why are so many Christians, why do we get an anxious feeling and label ourselves as having clinical anxiety? Before I got up here and preached today, I was anxious. I do not claim the title of having anxiety. Quit putting these titles on yourself. Quit tattooing yourself with the enemy's lies. You don't have anxiety. You have freedom in God. When you let the enemy, because I believe we let him, when we let the enemy tattoo those things to our, to, to our foreheads and to our bodies, saying, that, oh, I do deal with it. I am this. I am anxiety. You know what he's actually doing? Is the enemy is taking your oneness with God. Peace and anxiety do not exist at the same time. Come on, follow me here. Peace and anxiety do not and cannot exist at the same time. Do not let the enemy take your oneness with God. Do not let the enemy take your wholeness with God. Philippians 4. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then right here, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's time for the church to trade anxiety for peace. So might be my favorite because it's so macho, it's so cool, and I'm not macho, cool. <laughs> the shield of faith. All right, so let's talk about warriors for a second. So like these dudes back in the Bible, if you have to understand the, the kind of equipment they carried, 
the things that they wore and they just walked for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles into battle. I'm not degrading our current active military. You guys are so cool and I wish I could be as cool as you, okay? But I want like, we're going back thousands of years here talking about these dudes that just walked into battle in the sweltering sun in the desert carrying just steel. So what the warriors would do was when they would get into battle, when they go to battle, they would then make their, their, their armor even heavier, and they would take a, um, the skin of an animal, a hide, animal hide, and they would drape it and attach it to their shield. And they would dip their shield in water before going into battle. So not only are they carrying this massive piece of steel on their arm, they're now draping an animal hide over and wetting it. I told my kids, my students to do this. I hope they didn't because parents can be really mad at me. Go home, take your mattress, or take your, take your comforter, take it outside, wet it real quick with a water hose, and throw it on your back and try carrying it. See how heavy that is. These guys were swole, okay? But what, here's what they would do. In verse 16, it says, In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. I love this. They would walk into battle with these shields, these, these dripping wet animal hides. And when they'd get to battle, the enemy would take these flaming arrows on their bows and shoot it. And they'd have this, this shield with the wet animal hide. And when the arrows hit the shield, it was extinguished. And it's the shield of faith. Oh, come on. How many of us in this room don't have any, any real faith? Like, we have faith as long as the, the check-in account's cool and we got, you know, a savings account and we got our few months of expenses and and. We can just pretty much handle anything life throws at us, right? But how many of us actually have faith? The kind of faith that says, God, I don't see you. God, I don't hear you. God, I don't know where you are. But I know that you've got it handled. If you're not picking up the shield of faith in your life, hear me. If you are not picking up the shield of faith every day in your life, you are walking into battle completely open saying, shoot me. Shoot me. Shoot me. And you wonder why every single time there's an attack of the enemy or every single time life just gets difficult, you crumble. Because you're not actually picking up the shield of faith. You have no faith. You have no faith. What is a church that has no faith? What is a child of God that has no faith? Help me understand that. How did we as the children of God walk around every single day with no faith? It's completely contrary to the word of God. It's like we have eh, kind of faith. It's easy to sing about it. It feels real good to sing about it. You want to talk about having faith? My family has walked through the darkest three weeks we've ever walked through in our lives. It's, it's, been, it's been a whirlwind, a blur. I watched mom sit in a, in a hospital bed and look at the room and say, I love you, but if you're going to pray from a place of doubt, I'm going to have to leave the room, and that goes for family too, because I'm not worried about this. Watched my mom was about to go into brain surgery. 
sit up from her hospital bed and give a word to the room to lift their faith. I'm gonna tell you this in front of everybody, mom, you lifted me. You carried me through those, those few weeks. You carried every one of us because you carry the shield of faith. And here's the thing about the shield of faith. If you are one that carries a shield of faith and you're only using it for you, sometimes you gotta lean over and hold it in front of the person next to you. Sometimes their shield drops. Sometimes you gotta pick it up and give it back to them. Remind them that that shield is not as heavy as they think it is and they have been equipped to walk with the shield of faith. Oh, the helmet of salvation. <laughs> Verse 17, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Oh, this is good. All right, here's the thing about salvation. Salvation is both a moment and a process. It's a moment and a process. In a moment, you declare that Jesus is Lord. You invite him to be Lord of your, of your life. We call that salvation. But then there's the in-between, the, the, the time after you've dedicated your life to Jesus and before glorification when you see Jesus. And that process is called sanctification. And it's a monster. <laughs> it's huge. And it forms us into being what God wants us to be, this process of sanctification. I don't doubt for any second the helmet of salvation, it, it wasn't intentional. Because the helmet of salvation, to wear that every day, going, I've been saved, I've been called, I've been set free. Enemy, you can't get in my mind. Oh, no, 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 no. Salvation protects me. God's protection is over me. When, all, when, when you put on that helmet of salvation, knowing that you have been rescued, you have been saved from death, hell, and the grave, you have been saved from yourself. You wear that helmet of salvation through the process of sanctification. It protects you from the lies of the enemy. It is no coincidence that the number one battle we fight is in our minds. And every single day as a Christian, as a child of God, you've got to wake up and put on the helmet of salvation. Wake up remembering that, God, you have saved me and you have set me free and I am not a slave. I am no longer in bondage. And you can't afford to take that off for one second. The helmet of salvation protects your mind Protects the battle that you are fighting in your mind. Put it on every day. The sword of the spirit. Verse 18 says, and take the mighty razor sharp spirit word of the spoken word of God. See, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's the word of God. And like an actual sword, it is both an offensive and a defensive weapon. It's both an offensive and a defensive weapon. Some of us struggle so, 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 so hard with temptation. And every time you think that you've beat something, every time you think you've gotten over that and that, that no longer matters to you and it doesn't cloud your mind any longer, every single time that happens, you fall into temptation. You know that when Jesus was tempted, you know how he, how he responded? With the word of God. I'm gonna go into, if you are a child of God and you are not in his word, you are not equipped. And that's not the kind of preaching that grows churches, I'm sorry. If you are a child of God and you are not in the word of God, then you are not equipped for battle. 
You have to get the word so deep down in your heart that every single time you, you face temptation, every single time the enemy comes up against you, it's no, no, boom. It just comes out. And here's the thing. It's not like sitting down on, on, in the morning and, and reading two verses and saying them over and over and writing them down a bunch of times to memorize them. No, no, no. When you study the word of God, it gets down in your heart. It gets really deep down in your heart in places you did not even know were there. And when the enemy comes against you, you just start speaking it. It just starts to happen. I can't tell you how many times I've been working with students. And a verse that I read six months ago, just blah. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I knew that one. Okay. It happens. And here's the cool thing. Look, Paul wrote this whole thing. He wrote the armor of God to the church of Ephesus. But did you know that Paul was actually, this wasn't his idea. The, word of, or the, the, the armor of God was not Paul's idea. This actually originated in Isaiah. And there are four different res- references all about the coming, desi- or the, the coming Messiah. Isaiah 59, 17, 11, 5, 61, 10, and 52, 7 that outline the armor of God. And when Isaiah is, is speaking them, he is describing the coming Messiah. He is describing Jesus. What Paul is telling to the church of Ephesus is you have to every day wake up and put on some Jesus. You have to every day wake up ready to go into battle, putting on Jesus and getting Jesus so deep down inside of you, nothing can come against you. To be equipped for battle. Church, we have to be equipped for battle. Church, we have to be equipped for battle. We've got to be equipped. We can't keep letting the enemy do whatever they want to do with us. Oh, man, I'm so tired of watching my my, my team that, that, I, that I lead here and my students and my friends and, and family struggle with the same things over and over and over and over again. When God has already equipped you, God has literally already given you the tools to take care of it. Do you realize that? He's already given you those tools. They are literally yours. Every single day, waking up and remembering that you have to put on the belt of truth of who God says you are. The breastplate of Jesus' righteousness that he gave to us. The shoes of the peace of God. The shield of faith to withstand the attacks of the enemy. The helmet of salvation during sanctification. And the sword of the spirit in your heart. God has literally outlined this for us. And it's saying there is absolutely nothing, there is absolutely nothing that you're going to face that these tools can't beat for you. He's already given this to you. And here's my fear, church. Here's my fear. Jesus has already won all this for us. And if we wake up every single day and we're not putting on the armor of God, do you realize that you're actually diminishing the power of the cross? You wake up every day and you struggle with the same things that you struggled with the day before. And you fight the same battles that you, that you fought the day before. Your kids are acting a fool. 
Husband ain't cutting the grass in two months. Love you. You fight the same things that you've been fighting for months, for years. And he's given you the tools. Did you know that you are not destined to lose in battle? You weren't created to lose in battle. Go back and look at the Old Testament. Whatever the Israelites lost is because of someone's sin or because of their own fear. God wasn't leading them into battle to die, to lose. That battle, you've probably never heard it said like this before, but that battle that you that you were supposed to lose was already lost for you. He said what the enemy thought anyway. And three days later, Jesus came back and said, thought you did. You weren't supposed to walk around in defeat. You literally were not created for that. You were not created to walk around hanging your head. No, you were meant to walk around in victory. Every battle that you could face has already been won. So we say victory with our mouths, but we live our lives in defeat. We say victory with our mouths, but we live our lives in we could all stand this morning as I'm wrapping up. Church, every single day you have to arm yourself. Every single day you have to, to wake up ready to go into battle. What happened? If a church of 300 people every single morning woke up and put on the armor of God. What would happen if the people of God were so equipped to, to fight their own battles that when people walked in the door fighting their battles, we just jumped on their butt and went and won that form too. Church, we weren't meant to be defeated every day. We've got to get this through our minds. We were not meant to, to live in defeat. In every single day that you live your life in defeat, you are diminishing the power of the cross. Hear me when I say that. He did not die. He did not die. have that horrific death and get beaten and nailed to a tree. And put on that crown of thorns. He didn't do that so you could walk around like, oh, another day of anxiety. Come on, hear me, church. Oh, I just, I just, I can't break that, that porn addiction. I just can't quit smoking. I'm sorry. If you're a slave, you are not free. 
I think, ooh, I just got this. I think what we do sometimes is we, 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 we become slaves to things, but I think the enemy might even, while we're still in slavery, might even tell us, no, you're free. And we stop fighting for our freedom. We're free for what we want to be free from. <laughs> but we're letting these things that we're still slaves to fester up inside of us and work inside of us. Don't let the enemy tell you that you are free if you are still addicted. Someone hear me in this place right now. Do not let the enemy tell you that you are free if you are still addicted. That is not freedom. That is not freedom. If you are still a slave, you are not free. today and I'm going to give you guys a chance to respond. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like to know more, please visit www.revivify.church.